Ready to go? Yep. All right, good morning. This is the Clark County Commission meeting. Um, call to order. Uh, good morning, commissioners. Under commissioners county manager's recognition, item one is to present a proclamation to Laura Jeannie Penrod in recognition of becoming the 2024 Nevada Teacher of the Year. Commissioner Jones. much. Um, today we're going to rec recognize Laura Jeannie Penrod. Uh, she's a constituent of mine and a distinguished teacher from Southwest Career and Technical Academy in the Southwest part of town. Also my daughter's uh, alma mater. As our 2024 Nevada State Teacher of the Year, Laura began her 17-year teaching and leadership career in special education, teaching the Read 180 program in high school, leading and serving as a model for the program. She was integral in opening Southwest Career and Technical Academy as a magnet school in 2009, leading the special education department and coaching teachers on project-based learning. She consistently advocates for community connections and partnerships, especially with the Salvation Army, Title I Services, and Child Haven, by engaging her students in creating youth care packages for students experiencing housing insecurity in Southern Nevada. We're so grateful for your service, and we are so happy for our 2024 Nevada State Teach of the Year, Jean. Thank you so much. Let's give a round of applause. Um, first, thank you very much. Um, as someone who was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada, and went to Clark County School District, I've had a long depth of educators in my family that have taught for Clark County School District. It is an honor to represent the state, my colleagues around the state, including Clark County, and I'm most excited to bring my students along this journey because they are seniors in high school and I will be getting them civically engaged in advocating for legislative items that they would like to see on the agenda next legislative session up in uh, Carson City. And so we will be working with Huey Wynn and several others to help inform that. And I continue to advocate with always in mind that the students are the most important person in the room and how do we make the space better for all of us so that they can thrive and not just survive. So thank you, and I, it is a complete honor to represent the state of Nevada this year, and I hope to continue that journey well after this year as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll present this proclamation to you. Commissioners, item two is to present a proclamation to Fire Chief George Gonzalez in recognition of his retirement and years of service to the Mount Charleston Fire District and Clark County. Thank you. I see Chief uh, making his way down here. We want to recognize the, the uh, Chief Gonzalez as he re in his retirement. Uh, he started as a firefighter in 1991, was promoted to Fire Chief of Mount Charleston in 2015. He's always displayed a strong commitment to the mountain, earning promotions from fire crew supervisor to roles such as battalion chief, southern region fire management officer, and acting Southern Region Fire Manager. He's been a great contributor to the mountain, and we could not be more honored that today we're here celebrating his work and achievements for Jorge Gonzalez. Thank you, George, for outstanding contributions, hard work, and your dedication to Clark County. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
just want to say thank you to this board, Commissioner Miller, the entire board. Appreciate your support of the fire district, uh, myself, uh, and the staff. Also want to say thank you to the county commission uh, manager, county manager, uh, and their entire staff for all their support uh, through the years, through my career, and the support of the fire district. Uh, I want to thank you to the staff, the, the firefighters, the captains, and, and our volunteers that work up there. And thank you to the residents um, and visitors that come up and support their district and help us out in response. With that, thank you very much. for public comment. This is the time when people can comment on items that are on the agenda. Is this the portion of public comment in general? No, this is where you comment specifically on an item on the agenda. So if Still. you want to comment on an item, please state the number of the item. Still waiting then, okay. Good morning. My name is Pam Kaiser. I would like to pull item of number seven off the agenda, if possible, please. Um, you can comment on the item now. I can comment on the item now. Does yes. that mean we're going to pull it off the agenda or not? I'm asking I don't respectfully. Think we're gonna, I think we'll pull it off. We'll just listen, hear your comment now. Okay, um, item seven is concerning horse, Horseman's Park. Uh, we would really respectfully request that you either delay awarding the contract or at least get a panel of horse people to put in requirements in the contracts for the locals because we strongly feel that this is a county funded park, it should be for the county residents, and that by awarding the contract out of the state, you're not only taking it away somewhat from the county people, you're also taking money out of the county, and we've been fighting for this park for a lot of years. This is the only park that has stalls that we can use. It's the only place we can actually have any horse shows at. We have a number of youth that have no longer been able to do it, mostly in the rodeo area and in the horse show area. And what's going down, there have been a number of people that have showed up for this. I believe that would counter, I, th I believe honestly that that should count more than a letter of recommendation that people have taken time off numerous times to show up here and ask that you respectfully keep this within our county and have county people 
run the park by having somebody out of state you're going to have somebody that's going to be employed by them that's not going to have an interest in it other than getting a paycheck by having the local you're going to have local interest here they're going to be concerned about the local non-pros they're going to be concerned about the youth I honestly feel that this needs to be taken off the agenda so anybody and everybody can speak. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. I'm here to speak on item 43. Can you speak into the microphone, please, clearly, and state your name? Um, my name is Vicki Powell. First name V-I-C-K-E-Y. Last name Powell. P-O-W-E-L-L. Um, I'm here to speak on item 43 regarding Allegiant Stadium. I am a cashier there. Um, I'm here to fight for not just myself, but for all the concession workers. Speak clear, clear into the microphone, please. Okay, is that fine? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm here to fight for fair pay at Allegiant Stadium. Um, it's going on four years that I've been working there i'm a big fan of the raiders and i love my job but it's very hard for us to make ends meet and to um get medical due to the fact we're only making 13 dollars an hour and the hours that uh we put in every day there when there's a concert a game you know we're there at numerous hours and the pay that we receive is not helping us as inflation and the cost of living is going here in Las Vegas. Um, um, we're also fighting to get um, better parking and I'm fighting for the union to come in and help us out due to the fact of the wages that we're making is not enough. And I hope you guys um, consider helping us out with the union, be, the stadium becoming union. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Good morning. Tilly Jensky, 8745 Fourview Street, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89143. I'm short. So I'm here to speak on behalf of item number seven, and I would like to also ask the that number seven is removed from the consent agenda. Based on the fact, and I want to thank Parks and Rec for having a stakeholders meeting last week for us to voice our concerns over AEC taking over Horseman's Park. Um, one of the, I don't know if anyone read my email I sent out last week, but I did some research and put together some facts for you so you could see what's really happening there from a um, horseman and equine from our perspective, since you're not in the horse world so much. Um, th the children have been pushed out out of city limits. Uh, the rodeo community has been pushed out. It's been so difficult for parents like myself who have multiple jobs to get out to Alamo, which is two hours away, when we should have access to our local county community park for our children. Um, the, the other concern is AEC. We don't feel that they've done a good job at Horse Lovers Park in Arizona. Uh, when uh, the McGillis, Megan McGillis from AEC presented her letters of recommendation from the city, they were not, uh, nobody really did their due diligence within the community, the horse community, 
in Phoenix to see what's actually happening there. And when we pulled up the list of Arizona high school rodeos, for example, there was not one there. There People that I've spoke to that I pro-rodeo with, likewise said there's no barrel races, there's no team ropings, there's uh, no youth events, no local organized events. Uh, and it's the park, when I pulled up their website just right now, said they're having a, a new reopening and they've had control of the park since 2019. It's 2024. There have been no upgrades and the community is not happy with AEC, uh, the way that it's the Horse Lovers Park is being ran. So I ask that number seven be removed from the consent agenda and more due diligence be done as far as AEC's management of Horse Lovers Park and those letters of recommendation, and that due diligence especially be done on behalf of the equestrian community there, uh, because we're afraid that we will lose the park for another decade. As of right now, we have not had public use for our children for over 10 years with the previous management group, and that's why we're up here, again, asking you to please reconsider this. So thank you very much. Thank you. Next. Good morning, Todd Van Dynen. I'm the president of the Nevada State Horsemen's Association. Address is 7170 Childers Avenue, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I'm here also with them to propose that agenda, or number seven be taken off the agenda. You know, county commissioners, county park, county contract, given to California, kind of loses its uh, flavor at the end when you throw California in. Uh, keep it local, you know, be, do right by the people of the county, that's all we're asking. You know, keep the money within us, keep the kids happy, keep everybody happy, keep it local, please. Thank you, next. My name is Eric Coons. I reside at 3485. Could you spell your last name, please? C-O-O-N-S. I reside at 34, oh, anyway, 3485 Vicki Avenue, 89139. I'm a professional horse trainer. I've been in this town for 35 years. I've actually lived in this town since 73. Horse and Park has been an integral part of my training program. I train nationally. I've been on national boards. I've served with National Reining Horse Association. I've promoted horse shows at South Point and at Horses Park many times. Um, we, I, uh, I suggest that we pull this from the consent like, it, like it, they're asking. Um, but outside people don't know what's going on here. Right now, my, my impression is over the last 10 years is the previous management group really didn't listen to anybody they wanted. They made up their own decisions and they did what they wanted. To, even to your guys' loss, from what I understand, they weren't paying proper amount of money to you guys. But that's your, your guys' decision to work on that. Um, we, don't, we want communication. We want a voice in what's going on in our programs. Like the kids, I've got kids in training. I've got one that, that we, only, we don't have the area for the kids to go to. And I'm, I'm mortified that the high school rodeo program got wiped, is not going to Horses Park. They haven't been going there for ten, over 10 years. And uh, that's a big part of it. We're, the local community is over 80% of what Horses Park is. 
and to have somebody from the outside that's not part of the part of the county is ridiculous. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Daniel Braisted, B-R-A-I-S-T-E-D, commenting on item 55 on the agenda, receive a presentation from Southern Nevada Health District about their various programs and services. I'd like them to include the number of uh, staff that they sent to uh, Longevity 2023 that recently was in town, a major health uh, event dealing with new ideas, and I'd also like to know how many of their staff people went to CES. Those of you that went to CES saw a lot of information about new health gadgets and widgets, and if this group is supposed to protect us and give us the most in in information, then they should, in their budget, have a, a way for their staff people to go spread out, collect notes, and come back and, and share that information with uh, other health individuals in town. So that's item 55. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Yes, my name is <clears throat> my name is Ed Ulane. Uh, I want to speak about item 34 and item seven. Uh, 34. There's uh, your uh, there's the you're purchasing you're paying three million three and a half million dollars for this building uh, on the other side of uh, for the UMC for the hospital that's on the other side of the city. And yet there's no indication that the hospital even wants this. There, uh, there's no statement there. There's no, uh, uh, from the hospital. Uh, there's no use stated for this building. And there's no appraisal attached. Uh, um, why can't the appraisals be attached to these things? Um, then on item seven, this, this is just an incredible slap in the face to uh, people here in the community. I, I haven't ridden a horse probably for 50 years, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's just unbelievable. The, 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 there's no resume for these people <clears throat> that, are <clears throat> that you've selected to do it. Uh, <clears throat> it's obviously concerned to a lot of people uh, there's no explanation of the special skills that these people have in operating one of these. And it's not just uh, operating, it's dealing with the whole community. There's, uh, you, you apparently didn't listen to anyone who's come here to speak. Uh, there, there's no discussion of, of uh, how you found this organization. Uh, where they came from, they don't, they don't tell anything about themselves. It looks very unprofessional. Uh, and uh, and it's, the contract is way too long. They have the option to extend it, you, it, it the, uh, for five years. If uh, after one year, the, the county should have the ability to, to block the contract. And yet that doesn't appear to be the case here. This, this, I, I know you're accustomed to slapping people in the face and putting down uh, uh, organizations and people that, uh, that uh, you, you use your power that you have to harm these people. This is an obvious case. Something is very strange about what is going on in this particular uh, situation. And 
It, it should be pulled from the agenda. It should be discussed thoroughly. We, if the people are here at the meeting, let them talk. Uh, it's just incredible how, how this has been done. Thank you. Thank you. Brian Peterson again, 5135TP. In regards to article number seven, or number seven, again, Horseman's Park, I was uh, born and raised in Las Vegas, went to El Dorado High School. Most of my friends were cowboys. I was into dirt bikes myself, but I've witnessed that most of these kids that um, got to go out and do these things and had, you know, um, community involvement went on to have businesses and become successful. And uh, it's a travesty that you're take, getting somebody out of our community. It's supposed to be community. We are unique from California. We're unique from Tennessee. These people here understand the community of horses. I haven't been on a horse for 20 years myself either. But I do know we have to have an, a resource for our kids and our community. And it starts right now. And our community is suffering with the way we're raising our kids and giving them an avenue to get out and do things that involve common sense. And I move to remove that from the agenda. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wishing to make public comment? If not, I'll go ahead and move to the next item. We can, commissioners, we can now move to the agenda section. Item four is approval of the minutes of the regular meeting on December 19th, 2023. Mr. Chair, I move for approval of the minutes from our December 19, 2023 meeting. There's a motion made. Cast your vote. And that motion passes. Item five is approval of the agenda with the inclusion of any emergency items and the deletion of any items. Staff, for the record, I'd like to read a correction on item number 35 under your consent agenda. Under the item recommendation, approve and authorize the chair's designee should be changed to approve and authorize the acting director of real property management or her designee. Staff is requesting that number item 51 under introduction of ordinances be deleted from your agenda and staff is requesting that item number 55 under your business section be deleted from your agenda. With those corrections, is there a motion? Yes, Mr. Chair, I move for approval with the updated changes as well as uh, the removal of item number 44. Cast your vote. Excuse me. Oh. Yes, we're going to hear item number 44 separately. Yes, 44 has been removed from the consent agenda. Cast your vote. And that motion passed. Uh, commissioners, we can now move to item six um, on your agenda. Item six is to designate a chair and vice chair of the Liquor and Gaming Licensing Board, designate a president and a vice president to the Board of Directors, Las Vegas Valley Water District, designate a chair and a vice chair to the following Board of Trustees, Big Bend Water District, Clark County Water Reclamation District, Kyle Canyon Water District, University Medical Center of Southern Nevada, Coyote Springs Water Resources General Improvement District, Designated chair for the following fire protection districts, Moapa Valley Fire Protection District and Mount Charleston Fire Protection District. Appoint commissioners to the following boards and councils, Family and Juvenile Justice Services Policy and Fiscal Affairs Board, Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance Board of Directors, 
the Nevada Association of Counties Board of Directors, and the Southern Nevada Civilian Military Council. Pursuant to NRS 459-0091, subsection two, subsection C, select a commissioner to be presented to the NACO Board of Directors to be placed on a nominee list to be appointed to the Nevada Commission on Nuclear Projects by the Governor of Nevada. Thank you, Mr. Is that Mayor. all? <laughs> all right, uh, is there a motion, and do we, are we gonna go through each entity separately? Yes. You can go through each, or you could, um, if you want to use your backup as well. It's up to you guys. Can you, could, is there, there's a motion that could go through the backup and give us the names? Yes, Mr. Chair. <clears throat> I move that uh, for the Board of Trustees for the Big Bend Water District, we appoint uh, Commissioner Knapp as chair and Commissioner Gibson as vice chair. For the Board of Trustees of uh, the Clark. I'm sorry, what did you say? The Water District? We just Big Bend. The water. Big, Big oh. I, we're not starting in order. I'm confused now at oh, this point. I so up. for the water district, we have. I mean, liquor and gaming's first on my agenda. So. Okay. So for liquor and gaming, we oh. have myself, Commissioner McCurdy, as chair, Commissioner Segbloom as vice chair, Las Vegas Valley Water District. We have Commissioner Kirkpatrick as chair, Commissioner Gibson as vice chair. For Big Bend Water District, we have Commissioner Naft as chair, Commissioner Gibson as vice chair. For the Fire Protection District, we have We have Commissioner Miller as chair. For the Family and Juvenile Justice Special Policy and Fiscal Affairs Board, we have Commissioner Jones and Commissioner Miller appointed to that committee. For the UMC Board of Trustees, we have Commissioner McCurdy, myself, and also Chair Sergebloom as vice chair. For the Clark County School District Technical Advisory Board Committee, we have Commissioner Sagerbloom. For the Clark County Audit Committee, we have Commissioner Knapp as chair, Commissioner Miller as vice chair, and myself as a member. Clark County Redevelopment Agency, we have Commissioner Sagerbloom as chair, Commissioner Jones as vice chair. CCSD Oversight Panel, we have Commissioner Sagerbloom. Criminal Justice Coordinating Council, we have Commissioner Sagerbloom. Coyote, Coyote Springs Water, uh, Resources General Improvement District Board of Trustees. We have Commissioner Kirkpatrick as chair. Commissioner Knapp as vice chair. Debt Commission, we have Commissioner Kirkpatrick, Commissioner Miller, and Commissioner Knapp. Las Vegas Business Convention Authority, we have Commissioner Gibsons and Miller sitting on that board. Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance, we have Commissioner Miller. The Local Law Enforcement Advisory Committee, we have Commissioner Sagerbloom as chair. Vice Chair as Commissioner McCurdy, myself, and also Commissioner Naft as a member. And for the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Committee on Physical Affairs, we have Commissioner Naft and Commissioner Gibson. And the Moapa Valley Fire Protection Board, we have Commissioner Kirkpatrick. Mount, uh, we have 
NACO, we have Commissioner Kirkpatrick, Commissioner Gibson, and Commissioner Jones. Nevada Commission on Nuclear Projects, we have Commissioner Miller. The Nevada Local Justice Reinvestment Coordinating Council, we have Commissioner Sagerbloom and also Julia Murray. Regional Transportation Commission, we have Commissioner Jones and Commissioner Sagerbloom. The Regional Flood Control District, we have Commissioner Jones and Sagerbloom. Southern Nevada Civilian Military Council, we have Commissioner Kirkpatrick. Southern Nevada Enterprise Community Board, we have myself, Commissioner McCurdy. Southern Nevada Health District, we have Commissioner Sagerbloom and Commissioner Patrick. The Southern Nevada Regional Housing Authority Board of Directors, we have Commissioner Sagerbloom and myself. And the Southern Nevada Regional Planning Coalition, we have Commissioner Sagerbloom, Commissioner Jones, and also the Springs Preserve Board of Trustees, we have Commissioner Miller, Commissioner Jones, Commissioner Sagerbloom, and the Workforce Connection Boards. Finally, we have myself, Commissioner McCurdy. I move for approval of the listed appointments. Um, can I just clarify that a lot of those weren't up for the agenda today? So. Correct. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I got my practice in, uh, but we'll move for the approval of the ones that were listed that are uh, listed on the agenda. Thank you. Yeah, well, uh, there's been a motion made, cast your vote, and if we need to correct it, we'll, we'll do that. Thank you. And that motion passes. Okay. Commissioners, we can now uh, move to the approval of your consent agenda consisting of items number seven through 49. Um, there's been a request to take item number 44 separately. Is there a motion? There's a motion. Excuse me, Mr. Chair. I have a disclosure I need to make on uh, item 43. I need to disclose that I'm a member of the executive committee of the Super Bowl 58 host committee. I'll vote on the item as my participation on the committee does not reasonably affect my ability to fairly consider this item. And as to item seven, want to clarify the uh, arena charge um, for the for the community youth events is $50 a day. That's the arena fee It's a single if it's a single day event. And the um, want to make sure that the stall charges um, will align with arena charges. So there are, there are things that you need to read very carefully, but when you're talking about uh, youth or when you're talking about the rental fees that the before 2 p.m. and the after 2 p.m. items are important to read. Those are, that's a comment that is intended to further explain what is supposed to be reflected in the contract. Mr. Chairman, yes. uh, regarding item 43, I too have a disclosure to make. Uh, I serve as the chairman of the transportation and parking subcommittee on the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee. Uh, I too will be voting on the item as, uh, my role in that capacity does not materially impact uh, my decision-making ability. Thank you. All right, um, there's a motion to um, approve consent agenda with exception of 44. Can, may I just ask, I too am on a host committee for the Super Bowl. Um, is this common that we, I feel like we shouldn't have took yesterday off. We should have been a little bit better off. <laughs> Uh, if you're serving on a host committee, since it is with the host committee, um, the nonprofit agreement, 
yeah, make the same okay, disclosure. Okay, I'm on yeah. host committee too. Yeah, it's just a disclosure. Is there anyone who's not on the host committee? <laughs> All right, there's a motion on the floor for the consent agenda with the exception of item 44. And that motion passes. Commissioners, we can now move to item 44, which is to approve and authorize the Chief of Code Enforcement to sign the settlement agreement negotiated by Code Enforcement and High Dang to settle a dispute regarding fines for transient lodging. Commissioner Miller. Commissioner uh, Miller, do you have a? Yeah, is it possible to just get a little bit of briefing as to why this is coming to us uh, and whether or not we would see all settlement releases and then I may have a couple of follow-up questions. Sure. So this is a um, settlement agreement for a short-term rental. Um, it went to administrative hearing, and at that time, when you have an administrative hearing, you have to um, deposit your whole fine amount. And so in this instance, um, the administrative hearing occurred. Um, it was found that um, the um, short-term rental um, owner um, did violate the county short-term rental ordinance. And so in this manner, in exchange for not um, filing a petition for judicial review with the district court on the county's decision, um, the owner has agreed to a personal covenant to not engage in this behavior anymore. And in exchange, the county will refund half of his deposit. And if the um, operator violates that, then the deposit will automatically be reinstated. The fine will automatically be reinstated. Okay. And is, is the requirement that you deposit the full amount of the suggested fine, is that set somewhere in code? Is it a policy or how, how is that set in place? That is in our code. Okay. Um, yeah, I would ask that this item be held. Uh, I've gotten a series of complaints about inequitable enforcement of the short-term rental uh, uh, code violations. Um, where it looks like you know we, we've brought enforcement actions against individuals. I haven't seen a lot of these settlements uh, coming forward to the board, so I'm not sure how many there are. I'm curious as to the numbers of enforcement actions we're taking. But I've got several sent to my office. One was a, a $19,000 fine, um, a $63,000 citation, along with a $87,850 citation wherein code enforcement subpoenaed the records of VRBO and Airbnb. Uh, you know, if, if that's the policy that this board wants to go forward with and code enforcement's carrying out, uh, you know, certainly I think that should be up for discussion. Uh, but if there are 10 to 15,000 Airbnbs out there, why are we selectively enforcing and only subpoenaing the records of select individuals uh, would be my question. Um, and given the fact that we're going to license these moving forward, Perhaps we could consider some alternate policies, such as a safe harbor. I, I just want to get a deeper understanding of how these enforcement actions are being brought to begin with, whether or not they're complaint-driven or if the agency is going out there, why are we spending resources on only, it seems to me, a select few of individuals, uh, and, and do we have the right policy in place? So I, I'd ask that this agenda item be held and that we get a presentation from code enforcement that we determine whether or not this is in alignment with the policy that we want moving forward. Does that take a motion? Okay, so that's a motion to hold item 44. Cast your vote. That motion passes. Commissioners, we can now move to introduction of ordinances. Item 50 is an ordinance to amend Clark County Code Title 19, Chapter 19.07, Section 19.07.010 to update the federal regulatory authority to establish, use, and operate a mitigation bank or, or in lieu of 
or t hang on, <laughs> or in lieu of fee program to mitigate for certain projects affecting aquatic resources in Clark County, delete unneeded definitions and providing other matters properly related thereto and set a public hearing. I would move to set the public hearing for Tuesday, February 6th, 2024 at 10 a.m. Okay. We can now move to the business section of your agenda. Item 52 is to identify emerging issues to be addressed by staff or by the board at future meetings, receive updates on the activities of various regional boards and commissions, and direct staff accordingly. Does anyone have any emerging issues? I just have one thing. Uh, I just want a reminder that it is red flag, so there's abundance of over 100 aircraft leaving um, the base twice a day. Uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I got several calls at midnight last night uh, of what was going on. But just a reminder, uh, Nellis does a lot of yeoman's work. They bring a lot of economic uh, benefit. This is a training that they do on a regular basis. They've, uh, it's been in the media, it's been in the newsletter, we notify the neighborhood, so uh, just a reminder that red flag is here, it is going to be louder than expected, and yes, the flight path does go across North Las Vegas and has for about 30 years, uh, so the east side in particular in North Las Vegas uh, will hear it more than others, but it is uh, Nellis training that uh, we benefit from, so... I wanted to make a comment um, thanking Yasmin Beltran and, and the staff for creating and hosting Clark County's inaugural Dia de Reyes event. Um, I thought it was very successful. I think the other two commissioners that were there would agree that it was over a thousand people attended. Uh, we work we're closely with family services, so brought joy to over 500 children. And this was the first one, but hopefully uh, going forward, we'll be doing this annually because it was, in my perspective, a great, fantastic event. Thank you so much. All right, I guess we move on to item 52. Oh, I'm sorry, 53. Commissioners, item 53 is to appoint qualified individuals to serve on the Clark County Building Enterprise Fund Advisory Committee for the remaining four-year term commencing January 16th, 2024 and ending October 18th, 2026 from the following list of applicants, Amanda Moss and Teresa Atamalala. Is there a motion? Yes, I move to appoint Amanda Moss and Teresa Atamala. Cast your vote. And that vote passes. Commissioners, item 54 is to approve and authorize the chair to appoint two additional members consisting of two representatives to the Community Development Advisory Committee from the list of the following nominees, Colleen M. Hicks and Tanya Hara, each representing one town advisory board citizens advisory council for the term ending September 30th, 2024. Mr. Chairman, I move to approve Colleen Hicks and Tanya Hara. Cast your vote. And that motion passes. Commissioners, item 56 is to receive a presentation from the Department of Business License on Clark County Code Title VI, Chapter 6.145, governing the licensing and permitting of special events.
morning. Good morning, Mr. Chairman, members of the Commission, Vince Keanu, Director of Business License. So prior to introducing the ordinance, business license conducted workshops with relevant industry groups such as the Nevada Resort Association, Las Vegas Chamber of Commerce, State of Representatives, and the, Re the Nevada Retail Association to refine the proposed ordinance. On July 1, 2023, the ordinance became effective. All relevant public safety agencies have participated in a monthly meeting on special events including business license, public works, the fire department, the Southern Nevada Health District, the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department and the Office of Traffic Safety. Business license staff conducted eight training sessions on Clark County Code 6.145 special events to detail the changes to the code and the new large gathering registration. Two training sessions were conducted in June 2023 prior to the effective date of the ordinance. Then one training session was conducted per month for the six months following the effective date of the ordinance. Attendees included, for example, professional promoters, liquor caterers, and resort hotel employees. The meetings were held um, both online and in person. Business license staff and other relevant agencies also conduct individualized meetings to address the needs and requirements of specific special events. From July 1, 2023, when the ordinance became effective to January 8, 2024, business license has processed the following special events. 219 liquor caterer permits, 156 special event permits and licenses, 214 film permits, and 206 large gathering registrations. Events in Clark County are becoming bigger and more complicated with increased road closures, the utilization of drones, pyrotechnics, helicopters, etc. There are now often multiple large events occurring simultaneously which overtax agency resources to include the fire department, police department, ambulance services, the Southern Nevada Health District, public works, and business license. All activations and surrounding events need proper permitting, policing, road closures, plus all vendors need to be licensed in Clark County. Now the special events uh, ordinance has helped address these challenges that I just mentioned. Um, it streamlines and, and simplifies the process not only for our applicants and licensees but also our public safety partners. The large gathering component large gathering registration component um, has also been beneficial to the preparation and planning for events it helps us identify which events require more attention or need individualized meetings it also helps us determine which individuals or groups need that need to be involved to ensure that uh, not only that the events are successful but also safe and with that, I just want to display our contact information for the Clark County Business License Special Events and the Film Administration for Film Permits. And also display the uh, website for the Large Gathering Portal for any events over 5,000. And that concludes my presentation. Thank you. Any comments? Well, I have some. I mean, I worked <laughs> on the ordinance, but I want to let everybody else speak if they want. <laughs> All right. Mr. Neff, do you have a comment? Mr. Miller, do you? I mean, Mr. Gibson, did you have a comment? I have just a brief comment. Um, so what we've discovered over time is not so much the uh, a, a, something we missed in the ordinance, it's more something that we are seeing today that we didn't used to see. For instance, the pit building um, is a, a beautiful facility. It can accommodate so many things, but there is no licensee there. And so it, it may well be that there are other buildings. I believe there is at least one other building that we're aware of that 
has a similar situation. The Sphere has a licensee inside of it, apparently. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct, Commissioner. So um, it may be that we need another classification uh, because that's an incredible building, uh, and maybe it's a good thing that there isn't anyone that is currently licensed there, and it gives us the opportunity to do something a little unique. But I think that the as much heartburn as there was over the work that was done on the special events ordinance, I think it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> what, we've, what we've discovered is that there is a whole lot of demand, and we're all going to be overtaxed, uh, but it's working, and that's the thing. And we've got to be flexible enough that when we come up with circumstances like the ones we've discovered that we give, a, give thought to a new classification. Mr. Kirkpatrick. Well, I'm going to take that as You're a compliment. Three minutes. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Juan, I just, a lot of people worked on this. Metro, Fire, Health District, uh, Gaming Control Board, everybody was part of it in the hotels. Uh, we met with tons of people, and there was a little bit of resistance, but I think people now realize, and what we've been able to see is, uh, and I am dating myself, but when we started special events a long time ago at Metro, at the very least, that was pre so many of those events. And it was like, you know, once every six months. Now it's once a week that we do all this thing. And I think that um, going forward for the next budget, we really need to look at putting a special events department together uh, only because... Uh, 60% of our time is now spent on special events, and we're having the same conversation at the health district. I'm sure Metro's having the same conversation. Uh, the, the rest of the community's gotta keep going, uh, and we need, um, we still need our roads paved, we still need policing in our district, we still need uh, the health district to work, so I just think that, um, and I have some real economic numbers that, that I'm gonna sh save for another time, but, I mean, we're seeing thousands more events across the board because maybe it only affects one agency and doesn't affect others, but it is um, a big part of who we are now. And I think that sports has really um, highlighted it. I mean, and it's not just when one event comes now, we're seeing branches of olive branches of hundreds of events that are going on that we gotta be responsible for. So. Uh, Vince didn't give up on me, and I was um, tough with some folks. They wanted to change crazy words that no one else in the country does. And uh, Chief Steinbach, uh, we talked about this four years ago, so we made it. Kendall's tired of me in my meetings, so. Uh, but I, I just think that this is the first step, and we've already shown that there's way more than we had thought. And you know our public safety folks are stretched, um, and we have to—they have lives too, so they gotta ha have time for their families and all of that good stuff. So I hope that we can continue this conversation as we go into the next fiscal year on really um, looking at that. And one of the things uh, I was uh, thinking is. You know, there's so many things that we have, and maybe we have to look at um, a fee that directly goes to some of our social services that are being impacted as well uh, once these special events come. So I hope it's a longer discussion. Are you up for some meetings with me, Vince? Sorry. 
So how's that coming as far as having everyone tell us in January what they're anticipating for the full year? You want, listen, I'm just telling you. That was it a was, joke. <laughs> okay, good, because I'll let you take the phone calls, because it was hard to get them to give us 30 days notice, let alone a year's of notice. And Vince, just for example, on the Super Bowl, how many special licenses have you been, are you processing just for the Super Bowl? Uh, there's close to over 200 events just for Super Bowl week. Yeah, so that is a huge task, and hopefully we, can, we are compensated for all the effort that we have to put into it, so. If not, we need to fo focus on that also. Any other comments? Do we, are we voted on this? No, just a presentation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Commissioners, item 57 is to receive a presentation from the Las Vegas Super Bowl host committee. I like it when they run down here. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, when we were last here in December, I think uh, all of us in the room were learning some news out in the hallway about uh, the co-chair of our public safety committee, uh, Warren Whitney. So we wanted to take just a quick second before we start today and uh, welcome up Kendall Bell and, and, and Chief Steinbeck from FIRE for a quick little presentation um, and acknowledgement. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to come down here and just take a quick moment uh, to talk about my co-chair in the Public Safety and Security Committee, Deputy Chief Warren Whitney. Um, if you guys are not aware, uh, unfortunately, uh, Chief Whitney passed away on December 18th. Um, and sorry, it's always tough to speak about him. Um, you know, you, you do a lot of public speaking, but when you talk about somebody, you have a lot of, uh, of compassion about it. It's always more difficult, but. Uh, the Super Bowl host committee, what we wanted to do is we wanted to always make sure that we recognize Warren and honor him for the contributions that he made during the last year and a half of helping put together this plan. Um, they got this helmet. Uh, it was signed by the county commissioners. It was signed by members of the Super Bowl host committee. Uh, and we want to present this to you, Chief, so that we can give it to his wife, Alexis, and his daughter, Maddie. Um, although Warren is not here any longer, uh, he will still remain as the co-chair of the Public Safety and Security Committee. Uh, as we work forward to making sure this plan is one of the safest plans ever for a Super Bowl. So on behalf of the Super Bowl host committee, sir, we'd just like to present this helmet to you. And if you could please present it to his family, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, Kendall. Thank you to the committee. Thank you to this commission. Um, John Steinbeck, the fire chief, as mentioned. Uh, yeah, Warren was a very special individual. He loved uh, special events, everything about them. He loved working, uh, working on them. He loved people. Warren loved people, and he loved keeping them safe. And this was very important to him. He was very excited to see the Super Bowl, very excited to, to see it come to fruition. Uh, I'm sorry he wasn't, wasn't able to see it, the game and, and uh, everything that he helped put together, but every way we can honor him and this is this is very special and uh, we're going to remember him throughout this and thank you so much for keeping him on the committee in name and in spirit it's our pleasure sir appreciate it thank you everyone thank you both and i'm sure i'll be looking down on the super bowl thank you yes we were all still in shock that morning when we presented last time with that news so i'm glad we had a chance to come back to you today and and do something appropriate. Um, I want to welcome up Katie Keenan from the NFL uh, to kind of walk you guys through 
the latest plans since we last met, um, and just kind of uh, also hear from a few different people who have been part of this process along the way from our committee, from the county uh, representatives, uh, to you're stuck with me as well. Um, so, Katie, if you want to take it away. Good morning, Commissioners, and good morning, everyone. Um, Katie Keenan, K-A-T-I-E-K-E-E-N-A-N, uh, Senior Director of Live Events at the NFL. Um, let's see if we can get our presentation moving here. Well, perfect, thank you. Okay, well, thank you again, and thank you for the continued support. Obviously, we're now 26 days away from the big game. We've got our team on site starting build-out um, at the Super Bowl Stadium campus over at Allegiant Stadium, um, preparing for the next couple of weeks, which we know are going to be tremendously busy, but also tremendously successful, and that is due to all the planning um, and preparation that we've done with, the, with a lot of people in this room um, and a lot of others who are not here today. Um, as Sam said, we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the Super Bowl plans. Um, happy to answer any questions or address any concerns um, as we go through the presentation. So just a quick sneak peek um, at how you'll start to see Clark County and the city come to life over the next couple of weeks. So this super graphic, as we call it, is actually being installed right now um, on Allegiant Stadium. So you'll really start to see our branding, a lot of purple, a lot of pink, a lot of just vibrant colors um, around the county and the city um, to show off that Super Bowl will be here in just a few weeks. We'll also have some photo opportunities fans really love. Visitors, locals alike, can take part in some of these um, photo ops that we've got put around um, the city. And then just, uh, we, we sort of talked a, a lot about our community engagement that we've been doing over the past couple of months um, here in Clark County, and just wanted to highlight a couple of those again. We are just about a week away from our Green Week, which caps off a season of community greening events that we've done um, throughout the county. We've had a lot of success there. There'll be a Salute to Service event, a Super Kids Super Sharing event, where we bring uh, school supplies to those in need. So really a lot of good work uh, that's gone on really for the last, uh, for the entirety of football season and then caps off um, with a bunch of events next week that we're working closely with the host committee um, and NFL Green to uh, execute. Um, in addition to Green Week, there are a ton of community events that we've worked closely with the host committee and the Raiders community relations team to put on uh, the week of Super Bowl. So you'll see those kind of listed here. There's a full list of those events that will be released on Thursday of this week. So there's more information um, coming out about those soon. But we're really excited to partner and do a lot of these local community events over the next couple of weeks and specifically Super Bowl week. Um, one notable event that we will be hosting is all of the Walter Payton Men of the Year who've done a lot of really great service um, in their own local communities will be coming into town um, and we'll spend a day doing community service um, with the Reynolds Boys and Girls Club. So really kind of excited about those events and how they're coming together um, as we move closer to Super Bowl Sunday. And then Super Bowl week itself uh, kicks off publicly with Super Bowl opening night, which will be hosted at Allegiant Stadium. First time we've had opening night um, at the Super Bowl stadium, so really excited about that. We bring in the two Super Bowl participating teams, open to fans, um, and they have media availabilities um, at the stadium on Monday night. 
And then we will open our Super Bowl experience, which is a really big sort of football fan festival that we invite everybody down to. Tickets are on sale now. That will be at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center um, Wednesday through Saturday. Um, and then we host a series of events, obviously, uh, that are NFL-sanctioned events. Sam will talk a little bit later about all of the sort of other events that are tied to Super Bowl that are not officially NFL sanctioned, but these are our, our list of um, sanctioned events. And obviously we cap off the week um, with Super Bowl at Allegiant Stadium. Focusing in on our two fan events right now, so Super Bowl opening night, tickets are on sale now at Allegiant, as I mentioned. Uh, tickets are $30 and gates will open at 3 p.m. for that event. And then Super Bowl experience, like I said, really fun, um, great uh, football fan festival um, down at Mandalay. As far as, as um, transportation goes for that, you can use sort of the normal um, county um, transportation systems, including the Deuce, RTC, the Luxor um, tram system, and then also parking will be as it is normally, where uh, Nevada residents will get the first three hours of parking free um, at Mandalay for that event and for opening night. And I'm gonna turn it to Dave McCain from our security team. Good afternoon. Oh, sorry. I'm just uh, gonna talk about one particular piece of Super Bowl, and that's VACUS, Vehicle and Cargo Inspection System. So with the support we get from DHS and government agencies, um, CBP brings in a vehicle x-ray apparatus, uh, and all vehicles that come into the Super Bowl campus will be screened by this system. Uh, once they're screened and the driver is checked out, uh, Nevada Highway Patrol will escort that vehicle to the campus or that vehicle enter the campus and deliver its goods. Um, that campus um, where Vacus is occurring, you can see the picture on the map very well. It's near a uh, watershed area, about a little over a mile uh, away from the stadium. Um, that parking lot was currently, or is currently being used by the Raiders for uh, parking staff. Um, those are the hours of the operation uh, and the other agencies that are assisting in the operation. Um, so just one small piece of what goes into the security uh, for the stadium on game day. Good morning. 26 days. 26 days and our countdown is officially under 30. So we know after two years of preparation that the real excitement is starting to build and all the preparations will begin to come to fruition. After a long holiday season uh, and luckily a very safe one so far, we are now preparing for the final stretch. Uh, the in-person meetings will start to uptick in tempo as we get closer. Uh, we'll have the Super Bowl team here starting January 20th, where we'll begin really putting those final touches uh, in, into place. And to date, I'm happy to report that all of the planning efforts have gone smoothly. Lieutenant Bell and his team have done an exemplary job in making sure that they've overseen all of the details that go along with planning and, of course, staffing. We are taking true precautionary measures to ensure that the safety of the Strip and uh, Fremont Street experience and we've put our ABX rosters into place. It will be the officers in locations as an extra presence beginning Friday, February 9th, 
through Super Bowl Sunday in both of those locations, and of course to ensure the airport as well has adequate coverage. And to date, we are just looking forward to the continued collaboration with our incredible partners from the NFL and the Super Bowl Host Committee. Thank you for your time. So just a quick glimpse of game day um, and what it looks like. So you're looking at our stadium campus Super Bowl fan map that will be shared um, in our uh, NFL Super Bowl One Pass app. The app is a great place to go, and I'll speak a little bit later about our fan communications plan, but the app is a great place to go to get a bunch of information about Super Bowl week, Super Bowl game day. Um, our stadium campus starts over on the east side of the I-15 and sort of expands all the way over to either Polaris um, or Procyon Street, depending on um, which part of the campus you're looking at. And that is really our secured perimeter, which Dave and, and the security team spoke about the last time we were here. Obviously, we build out our campus based on our security parameters, and we, we take um, the utmost sort of pride and consideration for the security parameters around the Super Bowl. Um, the arrival process is different than what you'll see, obviously, on a, on a regular sort of stadium event um, at Allegiant Stadium. Screening will happen across the Hacienda Bridge, um, and that screening process is a little bit longer and obviously further out than what you'd see at a normal game, so we're working through that um, plan right now, but feeling really good about everything. Um, inside of the stadium campus, you'll see our hospitality parties, our game day experience for ticket holders, um, and our, our day starts very early. So our, um, our control and command center opens as early as three o'clock in the morning um, on Super Bowl Sunday. So we'll have representatives from the NFL, from our security team, from law enforcement in place and ready to just monitor what's going on and react and, and deal with, the, with different elements sort of as they come up on game day. So we're prepared, We've got multiple command centers that all sort of feed into our command center that'll be on um, inside of Allegiant on Super Bowl Sunday. Our teammates or our staff working the game start moving over to the campus from different off-site locations, parking and shuttling um, over starting at three o'clock in the morning. There's a huge, obviously, group of people, both local um, and from out of town that come in to put on Super Bowl and we, make, we try to make sure that their experience is as great as it can be. So that starts as early as three o'clock in the morning and continues. Um, and then our campus itself opens at 11.30. Um, and then our hospitality parties begin, the game day experience begins, the stadium opens, and everything sort of kicks up around 11.30. Um, and then obviously kickoff is 3.30. So super excited about how everything's coming together. Again, appreciate it takes a village to sort of put all these plans together. We've been working on it now for two years, um, and we are 26 days away, and we're starting our, our build out. Um, and like I said, the NFL One Pass app is the best place to sort of get this information. Um, obviously, a really critical piece of Super Bowl and the success of Super Bowl is the transportation plan. And so I have um, Mike Witte here who's going to take us through a little bit more detail on that transportation plan. Good morning, Commissioners. My name is Mike Witte. I'm with SP Plus Game Day, and I've had the privilege of working on, this is going to be my 26th Super Bowl. So I'm very excited to be here in Las Vegas, and more importantly, very excited to walk you through uh, some of the preliminary plans of the Super Bowl transport, parking, and mobility plan, and any questions you may have. So looking over here on the left-hand side, these are the real critical members and the county should be really at the type of that uh, top of carry. 
of all the collaboration that has gone on to date in putting together a comprehensive and collaborative transport and parking plan. Overview to the right, we'll have over 240 buses uh, supporting our partners, NFL friends and families, etc. 100 plus media shuttles for media and others. Uh, the 100 shuttle is actually a little low, that's just the morning staff or the morning buses. In total, we'll have over 260 buses that will help us move a population of 8,000 staff from several locations on site to the campus. And as Kate mentioned before, that will begin at 3 o'clock in the morning and will go all the way up until midnight that evening. Uh, again, another great update to highlight is the 10 mobility vans that will help us move uh, guests from um, a little bit of a distance for our ADA parking to the uh, secure perimeter has been actually bumped up from 10 mobility vans to 20 mo mobility vans in total now. Uh, vehicles for hire, I have the privilege of co-chairing a call this afternoon with Pat Garvey and the Pat G team to walk all the hotel properties, uh, taxis and black car services on where they'll be dropping off and picking up on West Quail Ave between Polaris Ave and Wynn Road. Those areas for the hotels have been designated just like they have been for Raiders games. So we're looking at continuity in that overall plan and then also communication to the Taxi Commission and others. Rideshare co coordination continues uh, for drop off and drop off only on West Mesa Vista on the west side of Valley View. And then through working with the Mandal Mandalay Bay team, there'll be a very robust rideshare pickup at the Mandalay, Mandalay Bay parking garage where uh, most of the fans will be directed to go to the Mandalay Bay parking garage post game for a very elaborate rideshare pickup location at that destination. Limited parking on the west side simply due to the build out of the overall site perimeter, but working with the communications team and all, uh, we'll make sure that all fans know and have a good know before you go robust program uh, moving forward. This just kind of highlights where we have some of our uh, different parts of the plan actually operated. So in the Northwest Quadrant, utilizing the parking areas of TVB Garage, Lot U and others that may have not been traditionally utilized for a Raiders game will be utilized for the Super Bowl. And the guidance of, like I said, rideshare there on West Mesa Vista Ave. And down below, you'll see the bus. Uh, that's West Quail Ave for the hotel shuttles uh, and the uh, limos and black cars, as well as taxi, taxi uh, programs. This is a diagram of the road closures. These road closures have been submitted to the county. They are all, of course, subject to review and approval by the county, but they kind of take you through how the site perimeter starts to develop out and the different roadways that have been requested of the county for review and approval of those entities to make sure that we are all in full compliance. And that's all I have at this point. Any questions of me before I sit back down? Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Okay, back to me. Um, so as we know, information is great, but it is nothing unless it is communicated. Um, so our team has spent a lot of time. Uh, we do this for all of our events. We've got a strong team back in, in New York from the NFL communication side, from the NFL event side, and also working locally um, with the county, with the host committee to put together a really robust know before you go program not only for our fans that are coming in for the game, um, but obviously for to get information to locals who are interested in either attending one of our pre-week events or just want to know sort of what's going on week of game. Obviously, there's a ton of information out there. 
We are looking to consolidate that information, make sure it is correct, make sure it is consistent, and put it in a place that is easy for people to get to and in a, in a, um, in a way that is easy for people to consume. Um, so we're working, again, to put all this information on the host committee's website in a know-before-you-go format, and then all that information will match in, in our NFL OnePass app, um, and then working with the county to use the, those channels as well to get information out specifically um, related to the locals, which Jennifer will speak about in a bit. Um, we've got a plan that continues to build now that we're getting closer and closer to the game, so you start to see more information going out, whether it's through email, whether it's online. As our plans get finalized, as the road closures get approved or, or adjust, we will obviously adjust that information as it's going up. But it's really important for us, for not only our fans coming into town, but also locals, to understand what's going on over the next couple of weeks, and especially during game week. So you'll see a robust communication plan continue to ramp up over the course um, of the next couple of weeks. And with that, I will turn it to Jennifer. Okay, may I ask a question or two first? Of course, yes. Please. Um, so I just wanna understand and make sure that, so the county will be the lead on the communications on pushing things out so that we're not, it, it gets messy, right? When you hear from so many different people and so I just wanna know that I can refer them to the NFL site, which has the county on it, and then the county can refer to the NFL site. So all of that will, the county will drive it? Yes, so I'm going to let you take that as well. But we've been having regular meetings with Jennifer and her team um, a couple times a week now to make sure that that information is consistent and we're agreeing to how that information is shared. So we're, we're in the process of doing that now. And, and so your website will be updated to reflect Clark County? Doesn't have Clark County on it now. I didn't see oh, Clark County. I seen the city, but Absolutely. I did not see Clark we'll County. <laughs> I just want to, you know, my yeah. little cactus matters to me, so no, I want to make course. sure it matters. So we, uh, can, we can do that. Okay, Absolutely. perfect. Thank you. Hi, Commissioners. Jen Cooper, Chief Communications and Strategy Officer for the record. Uh, we will be launching again the county's text messaging service, so we are hopeful that we will be able to launch that this week, specific to the Super Bowl. You see on your screens that the messages, just as they were with F1, are available in both English and Spanish. The public can text SBLV to 31996, and we will push out messages just as we did with F1. So it will be every Sunday at 4 o'clock, a refresh every Wednesday at 4 o'clock, and then we will work in partnership with RTC to pull through um, any transit impacts as a part of that messaging. As you know, we're also trying to build out a holistic map that would capture not just road closures related to the Super Bowl, those continuing road closures associated with F1 utility work, all other road work in the area so that people know how to navigate the corridor um, with all of those road impacts in place. And so we're working to partner on that, to your point, Marilyn, to be the conduit and centralization of that messaging just because there is a lot of impact and we navigate the, the road impacts with the public uh, quite significantly as we move through this. So thank you. If we can go to the next, I believe we have Dennis on the agenda. And then Sam to close us out. Thank you. Saving the best for last. 
Thank you, Commissioner. Good morning, Commissioners. Dennis Cedarberg, Department of Public Works. I'm just here to provide you an update on our lane closure permitting and our road closure permitting. Up until the week of the event, which is February 8th, uh, we are processing all our permitting um, through a traffic control plan and an encroachment permit. So the work that's going up up until the week of Super Bowl uh, is all under permits with traffic control plans and encroachment permits. The week of the Super Bowl, that's when our special event permitting kicks in and approves the road closures for the special event and during that week. Uh, we have received the complete package for the special events permit for the road closures and we are on track to uh, process that and, and get it approved in time for the event and in time for the installation of the Super Bowl banners on some of our pedestrian bridges. Thank you. Any questions? I'm not sure if this is right for you, but as we learned from Formula One, uh, the takedown is as important as the put up. So hopefully we're, have, we're working with them to make sure that we take down as fast as possible. Uh, the way the schedule works, all the takedowns should be completed by February 15th. Unlike Formula One. Unlike. Uh, while we pull the slide back up, uh, our No Before You Go website was edited a week and a half ago uh, to definitely reflect getting around Clark County. So uh, thank you. You'll be happy to see that. Um, if we can bring the PowerPoint back up. Um, in addition to the, the traditional media and PR, I wanted to um, also let you guys know that we have a very robust social media command center that we will be uh, staffing and manning. Um, we got to go all the way through all this again. See if we can jump forward. Um, our social media command center is going to have dozens of volunteer social media professionals from, without, from within the, de um, the destination, the industry, working to uh, be proactive on social media, um, to offer real-time responses to people, to the fans, encouraging community participation, supporting all of our partners and services. So um, that is not just a little room where a bunch of people are working on social media, it'll be reflected throughout the destination and some tag boards, big billboards that kind of show real-time social media content and data. Um, I think I'm almost there. We caught up. There's Jen, Dennis, Sam. Social media, great. Uh, CBS is, uh, asked me to give a quick report on them today. I think most importantly tonight at 6 p.m., uh, the, the sidewalks will reopen for pedestrians from 6 p.m. To, to 8 a.m. starting today. Everything else is on track with them. Their schedule is on plan. Live coverage begins on Monday, February 5th, a whole week worth of content that we talked about at the last meeting, but uh, fans and the public are definitely welcome to come down, participate, and be a part of that activation. They'll have four stages uh, set up with one main stage, obviously, but three others and, and locations for local affiliates to do their uh, tape their spots from or do live broadcasts from. We're also working on a couple of social, I mean, on a couple of host committee events. Uh, the first is our host committee house on Hacienda. This will be our four-day hospitality venue for all of our most important partners, uh, stakeholders, committee members, volunteers, people who have worked throughout the, on this whole effort uh, will be part of this really incredible 
campsite that we don't want to talk about too much until you get to see it firsthand, but it's going to be a pretty special activation in the Luxor lot at the corner of Hacienda and Luxor. will be kind of the host committee's hospitality home base. The other big host committee event that we're doing that we're really excited about is, is our media party. Um, this will be on Tuesday night, uh, Super Bowl week, open to a few thousand members of the media that will be in town covering the Super Bowl, as well as our local media and then our local families. Uh, this has come together really nicely at the F1 Grand Prix Plaza in partnership with them. Three floors of activations where we're going to do some incredible storytelling about the past, present, and future of Las Vegas through a lot of community partnerships that have come on board to help us do this. We're gonna be telling the story of sports, obviously, using the garages with a special collection of automobiles that tell the story of NASCAR and F1, as well as some of the vintage stories of Vegas through automobiles. We're partnering with ACDC to execute a fully authentic, uh, full-blown Asian night market as part of the Lunar New Year celebration, so the media will have to come out of this garage right into a Lunar New Year celebration. Um, and then we'll have two floors of activations celebrating the vintage Vegas, retro Vegas, modern Vegas thematic uh, themes. Really uh, touching on a lot of partnerships that we've created over the past couple of years. So the uh, Neon Museum will be one of the first arrival experiences that we have. The vehicles that I talked about, the New Learner New Year. Uh, we'll have a vintage Vegas section that will have a lot of collections and memorabilia, a lot of people stepping up to help donate private collections as well as nonprofit collections. Um, hopefully be telling the story of, of, of those different decades through activations and of course a lot of food and beverage. Um, using our business connect relationships and, and participating restaurants to uh, serve the food. Uh, and then of course you gotta have the modern Las Vegas too, uh, which will be our third floor. But all that to say that we're just really, really excited about the way that's come together through, I think we have over 30 different partnering organizations helping to put on this party. Um, and it really will be our chance to tell our story to the media, set the tone for the week so that as they're doing coverage throughout the week, uh, we kind of blew their socks off on the expectation on day one for them. So that, you know, our, our, our host committee events are one small slice of this. Katie's done a great job walking you through a lot of the NFL, NFL sanctioned events. There's the green events, the community events. Vince mentioned earlier, over 200 events that we're helping track through business permitting and the new process has been put in place. Um, but there's also a very big, large contingency of these at least 60 plus 30 par third party events that we've been tracking um, that we're trying to make sure that they are well-educated on the processes, the permits, the requirements in the destination, um, but we don't have any direct control over them, but we are trying to do our best for awareness. Um, on, the, uh, on the legacy side, uh, we did announce our, our pre-game grant recipients at our luncheon back in December. That was $1.2 million worth of local nonprofit grants that the host committee has helped distribute. Uh, this week, we're in our final review of another round of grant applications for the remaining $1.8 million that we hope to put in the community. We've had over $9 million worth of requests through that application. So we're going through right now, uh, through our committee, through our staff. They've reviewed these 250 grant applications and we're trying to make our best uh, plan forward to help support as many as we can, unless anybody here has eight point 
$2 million that you would like to contribute to make sure that we don't have to tell anybody no. Unfortunately, some, some of those applications will either not get the full amount that they asked for or may be asked to wait for the next Super Bowl, which hopefully will be in not too long from here. But we are doing our best on that. So uh, those should go, that process should conclude this week with those uh, organizations being notified right before Super Bowl. We'll have a big legacy grant press conference that they'll all be invited to for the check presentations on that. So that's the financial legacy piece. Uh, but there are, as, as this is the last time we're gonna get together here today, I wanted to kind of just go over all the things that we think that are gonna be legacy programs moving forward. Hopefully, things like our internship program that we've done with UNLV, the little ambassador program that we've done for small businesses to participate, our Vegas sports jackpot fundraising mechanism, which I'm sure you've heard about. If not, please go online and buy a ticket now. You still got a couple weeks left to win two tickets to everything in Las Vegas in 2024. Our Business Connect program database and, and program of 200 plus businesses that have been networking and meeting for the past year, getting opportunities to participate in the uh, RFP processes. Uh, we hope that that's gonna have a life forward through the LVCVA. Our volunteer program, obviously 9,000 volunteers that have signed up to help this thing. They get trained and oriented next week. Uh, so that program is about to go live, but hopefully that's gonna have a life way beyond Super Bowl through uh, Final Fours and college football championship games and all these other, this new universe of major sporting events that hopefully Vegas is gonna host some soon. Our economic development initiatives and of course, the host committee structure in itself. We're hoping that the, uh, the way that we've structured this thing, the host Super Bowl lives on through other sporting events. The committee structure, uh, the private fundraising mechanisms, um, and just the, the, uh, the data that we've got now. Because when we bid on the Super Bowl, the stadium hadn't even hosted a game yet uh, full of fans. So now we've got visitor data, we've got fan data, we've got public safety data, we've got budgets, terabytes of information that uh, we'll be able to pass on to the next sporting events. And then uh, finally, uh, because again, it's our last time here, logo soup of all the people that have been incredible partners in this process, uh, from the county to nonprofits to public safety, I wanna make sure we recognized everybody. And uh, one final little demonstration of the community impact that we've had. Uh, I'm not sure how to hit play on this. Maybe somebody in the booth has to hit play. It does have audio, but you don't want me humming or yeah. presenting He doesn't know, but he's gonna be definitely blown away. Well, hey, hey, you. How are you, Jonas? I'm Jonas. Nice to meet you, Jonas. How are you, sir? Jonas, how are you? Steven Jackson. Here's what we have to do. You see that lens? Yes, sir. We just have to hit him, but not hit him in the eye. Bend your arm like this, and then you have to go like a Frisbee. So it's like that. Whee! Oh, that's better. There you go. That's oh. it. That's the technique. You see that? Oh! Oh! You won. <laughs> he just hit the camera. You just beat a pro magician, a pro football player, and you've never thrown a card before. Hallelujah! <laughs> For that tremendous effort, on behalf of the NFL and the Super Bowl committee, that's me. We're presenting two tickets to the Super Bowl, buddy. Yeah, boy! <laughs> I'm going.
one. Yes, you are. There's another little thing if you can, all you have to do yeah. is now hit me in the eye. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Booyah! <laughs> at the bottom are some tickets so you can come see my show. And then in the beginning of the show, before it starts, I'm throwing cards from up top. So if you are there, you can do it with me. Now that you know yeah, how. Yeah, but do. Today's excitement from Jonas, one, was like, it warmed my heart. But two, to give away Super Bowl tickets to Jonas. Today, watching him interact with David and myself, throwing the, the cards and actually winning the prize was amazing. And his, his joy was overwhelming, but it was genuine, unique, and it was true to who he is. I am going to the Super Bowl. Booyah! Oh, oh, got the camera again. All right, we're done. He's, he beat us. That's it. It's over. And hopefully you've seen some of those other special ticket giveaways we've done throughout the community, and we just, uh, I'm never shy to show those off. We're very proud of them. So, uh, Any questions operationally? Uh, we've got our staff here. We've got uh, everybody that spoke today, so happy to open it up for any questions and comments. Any questions? Do a quick question. Question left. Thanks. Just one question and a comment. Uh, on the media center, um, I know we'll have uh, from our PIO office representation there, but I just want to make sure that includes public works specifically because so many of the comments that come through on social, at least that we see, have to do with uh, public works issues in the area. So I want to make sure there's some rapid communication between what's coming in through the social media center and the crews that are able to actually And Jen can definitely it. address that critical piece of it. Our, our social media command center is more geared on fans. Sure. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, so Commissioner, my team and I will be in the MAC. Um, we'll liaison with that social media command center, but we'll be triaging those concerns as they come in through our regular work through the MAC and the JIC. Okay, so like we usually are, our social <laughs> media team will be responsive yes. to Super Bowl related or traffic related issues that come yes. through. Great, yep. thank you. <laughs> and then just the other comment I made, and we've talked about it before, is uh, we've been working hard, uh, and Sam, add to this if you have anything to, but we've been working hard uh, to communicate aggressively with the 830 or so business licensees that are within the stadium district, so kind of Russell, Valley View, Alibaba, the 15. Um, Patrick Garvey, everybody has been really responsive, but I just want to make sure if there are any businesses out there that haven't either been in touch, that they reach out, they can call my office, they can call the host committee directly. Um, there are ways for everybody to get in and out of their business. There are ways for your customers to get in and out of your business. Uh, we, It's just helpful if we can work through that in advance. So it's not too late, but now's a really good opportunity to reach out and we can uh, put, you in, put you in touch with people who can help make sure where the access is not um, restricted. Um, I would only, I would only add to that that yes, we've had a lot of one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one meetings, business meetings, town halls, uh, communicating around the, the, the perimeter of the stadium. If anybody has not heard from us and uh, reaches out to you, we're meeting weekly with uh, Kevin Schiller's uh, power meeting of, of all the department heads uh, so we can have things brought there uh, or directly to me anytime. Thank you. Sure. Any other comments? Yes. When will, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Gibbs. I, I can wait for No, that's questions. fine. I just, have I, I just wanted to say we, uh, we've learned a lot of things over the last couple of years, and the way that the county has responded has been incredible. Um, the turnaround has been timely. We've been able to work with real experts. Uh, we've uh, 
uh, had our people in place, and of course the meetings that the manager's been holding has really helped to ensure that everyone is communicating everything that is critical to a successful Super Bowl. And we are, we are very excited that things have worked as well as they have. And to you and your team, you've done an extraordinary job of helping to focus all of us on getting the things done that need to be done. And uh, I haven't been to a meeting yet where it wasn't uh, like clockwork and everyone was pulling in the right direction in the same direction. So thank you very much to all who are volunteering, all that are on your host committee. We, the NFL has been a great partner um, and the county has done an incredible job. So thank you very much. Thank you for y'all's leadership and collaboration. I just had a question. So when will the next Super Bowl in Las Vegas be? <laughs> we will start lobbying for that effort on Tuesday morning, uh, right after we get everybody safely on their planes and, and back home. We'll start that effort on Tuesday right, after well, Super Bowl. We're, we're going to take a four-year vacation. I just have one thing I wanted. So, Sam, you're not leaving, so it's not like we're not going to see you anymore. So, um, But I'd still stand by my word. Thank you for going above and beyond to the community. Uh, because this is uh, the community that we live in and this is important to our residents that want to be successful and that we get to be part of um, it. So from, you know, that last video kind of tells it all and I, I really think that you guys got to stick around and help us set the standard and the model for other folks coming here. So I know you're not leaving tomorrow, so... Uh, I'll bug you in March when you've had time to have a nice vacation, but uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, again. That, that, that is the plan, and thank you for trusting uh, me, trusting our staff and our committee with this whole process. Quite an honor. There are going to be a lot of people. Trust me, I come from New Orleans where they hosted 10 Super or hosted their 11th Super Bowl coming up now, and there was always a, a, a pride and badge of glory to say I was there for that first Super Bowl at Tulane Stadium back in 19. So, 20, 30 years from now, we'll all be saying we were all part of that first Super Bowl here in Vegas, and we'll have that badge of honor. So no, I look my forward guess to that. is we all won't be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I think Vice Chair so McCurdy will be there. But I can yeah. say I was at the first Super Bowl, so 50-some years later, I'm at least going to be watching it on TV. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, all right, we have one final item, which is... Um, we have item 58. Um, Commissioner, I just wanted to add on before we move on from that item. Um, just in the interest of time, as we do the countdown, make sure you guys are all aware we are having those joint meetings. So if issues are coming up, just feel free to let us know. We can follow up and get you answers, either constituent or on the other side. Um, item 58 is to approve, adopt, and authorize the chair to sign a resolution to establish the creation of the Colorado River Heritage Greenway Park Trail Advisory Council and adopt its bylaws. I think Commissioner Knapp may have a comment. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, we, we've discussed this at prior meetings. This is just the um, culmination of the, uh, hopefully, uh, action that will solidify the Heritage Greenway Park Trail Advisory Council. This will be run through the Laughlin Township office, uh, and a follow-up item will be brought back to this board to confirm uh, appointees to this body. Um, if there are no questions, I move for approval of item 58, creating the Colorado River Heritage Greenway Trail Park Advisory Council. Cast your vote. That motion passes. Is there any um, legal items? Uh, we do have a closed session, and now we can move to your um, second portion for public comment. 
All right, this is the time for public comment. Uh, anyone that wishes to speak on any matter um, related to the county commission, please come forward. Paula Sadler, S-A-D-L-E-R, 953 East Sahara Avenue, Suite E11A, 89104 District E. Good morning, Chairman and Board of Commissioners. I had a lovely uh, three-minute uh, talk prepared, but I'm just going to speak from the heart today uh, because I've come to you before with some prepared speeches, but I'm here to follow up on my last uh, appearance before you on December 19th, and I was told to write an official letter or complaint, which I did, and I sent to all of your offices through your email, and I also sent to the director of business licensing who was here earlier, uh, Mr. Vincent Cuano, I think it is, and I have not heard back from anyone. And I'm here to just tell you once again, my business and what's happened to me could happen to any small business owner. So this is for the public, for the media to know, and for this board to know. That, um, one, I'm here to remind you today and to help you of, as you can see, Clark County's mission. And part of that is to be accountable to our citizens and um, also um, to um, let you know that what happened at the business licensing department on December 14th, they made a bad decision. My business was the victim of a terrible and vicious crime and fraud by proven scam artists and fraudsters. I sent video evidence to Metro and also to the business licensing in 2022 when this happened, yet they still put limitations on my license. Nobody came to me and said, Ms. Sadler, we are so sorry for what has happened to you. How can we help you? You, you know, you've been a great um, uh, employer in Las Vegas and Clark County. I've been an employer here for nearly 30 years. I'm a lifelong resident. I've employed hundreds of people. I have zero complaints, zero violations, zero fines on my licensing. I'm just a beauty salon owner, and I'm very good at what I do. And what's happened to me is a great and terrible uh, injustice. And I'm here today to ask you to hold accountable the business licensing department. And I made a formal complaint against uh, District Attorney Sherry Lee Rose, Robert Gower, and business licensing Jennifer Wilford, and James Achazo, the inspection officer. They did not take into account what happened to me. They did not give me the courtesy and the decency that I am the victim of a crime. My business and one of my employees and my entire team. Now that and, and I'm asking for you and all of your power as one of the most powerful boards in all of Nevada and the, uh, the country. Where is the help for me as one of the smallest in the community? As you're setting sights on the F1 and Super Bowl and these billions of dollars, what about me? What about the 11 workers who were just put out of work on December 14th when my licenses were revoked? Women, minorities, seniors who've been with me years. And I'm also one of the greatest and biggest contributors to helping the blighted area of commercial center and a redevelopment. I'm the one who has been there for 20 years cleaning up the area. Graffiti removal, trash removal, I did that, not Clark County. I put my money and my time where my business is. And I'm asking for your help. No one got back with me about the investigation. Where's the internal affairs? Where's the internal investigation for these people who made this arbitrary decision on my livelihood? I'm out of work now. I'm out of business. Where's my, what about me and my rights? So 
That's what I have to present to you today, and I'm going to make a perfect uh, three-minute speech from now on going forward, and I'm asking for your help to look into this. It's not okay what happened to me. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Hello, my name is Minda Smith, uh, M-Y-N-D-A, S-M-I-T-H. I live at 18 Garden Rain, 89135. My sister was Nisha Tonks, one of the 58 angels that was killed on October 1st. Um, I am a proud member of the One October Committee as well. Um, I'm sad that the Super Bowl Committee left because I am honored that they connected with us and have given all of the local families that lost an angel tickets to the opening night as well as the experience, which is fun to be a part of it. Um, Sorry, I'm gonna. I'm a little sad. I was sad walking in that I did not see anything on the agenda for the memorial. I thought that possibly that would be something that would be a priority. Um, you know, as we came here in September, and the uh, I think it's JP. I might be wrong on that. Um, was awarded the uh, bid to be able to create the memorial. Um, we thought that, you know, we had this beautiful progression of, of moving forward for this memorial. Um, I have not heard any updates. Um, I might be wrong, but I, I, I don't know what has happened because none of us have been informed of any progression that has been happening to be able to find a nonprofit to take this uh, moving forward. Um, I hope that the progression of this healing process for not only my family, uh, the 57 other families and then all of the survivors and, and our community, that that can continue to hear, move forward. Uh, our goal is to have this memorial built by the 10-year anniversary, which sounds far away, but we all know it's not. Um, so I truly hope that, you know, there is something happening here that we are not aware of to make sure this nonprofit gets chosen and then the steps we are able to move forward to start creating this memorial. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, Daniel Braisted, B-R-A-I-S-T-E-D. Uh, I hope the county sent some people to CES. It was very successful, a lot of different buildings. As I promoted the basement of the Venetian Expo had lots of great information on health. The other item I'm talking about is your training department. I hope your training department has identified that, uh, that Tony Robbins is giving a free uh, seminar online the 25th, 26th, and 27th. It's online, it's free, I, I'm not a rep, but I hope that we reach out to these people that offer free classes and free things so we can either offer that to our con your constituents or at least get the data to put into your training programs. Um, I, ho I hope that's happening. Um, yet other item is, uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Charlie Kirk. He's an individual that graduated from high school, got a grant for $10,000, and he's built a network of leadership clubs at many of the colleges across the country. He also has a podcast. And sadly, on the podcast this weekend, he had a black individual 
who had researched black authors for quite a while, and he reported that he, he identified that Martin Luther King had witnessed rape and had participated in rape. And I'm asking this government to get, if you want, I'll get the access, do research on it. We spent $6 million changing the name of an airport, and if these accusations are true, then we should cleanse the name of Martin Luther King from our county because there's no greater crime than rape, and that's prevalent, and if that's true, that should be cleaned up. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Morning, David Johnson, 220 Whitney Breeze, North Las Vegas, 89031. I'm here today representing no organizations or other individuals. My comments are expressly uh, represent my firsthand experiences and perspectives. I want to start by saying that I'm grateful to all the folks serving the most vulnerable block of our society, and that's the DFS and homeless children in our community. We all live through true, true evils. All of us who are serving this community live through the true evils that these kids experience together every day. It takes truly special people to lean into these struggles and work towards better days ahead. I'm a hard critic of, of some people at DFS, but even those with whom I vehemently disagree with, I do not question their characters or motives. As a team, they operate with moral clarity and commendable dedication, and I'm only here to question their means and methods. Truly, the best humans in our society are disproportionately represented by DFS. Two weeks ago, standing here, I agreed with Mr. Gibson that this is not the forum to discuss problems in the DFS childcare system. While my opinion remains unchanged, given the lack of viable alternatives and lack of communication from the team members with Clark County that I've tried to connect with, um, I have no viable alternative, so again, I am here today to, uh, because the problems remain unexamined and the consequences of these problems are morally reprehensible. At 5 a.m. this morning, I disseminated to your respective teams an open letter to your districts, A through G, Clark County, Nevada account. This is a story sharing the worst of my firsthand experiences serving in the foster care system as a caregiver. I share this because this body represents the last line of defense for the most vulnerable children in our community. Have no doubt about it. Lack of meaningful independent oversight has allowed a culture of noncompliance with the governing laws and core values of the system to fall to the wayside in favor of the enforcement of personal biases and perspectives. This culture, from my perspective, appears pervasive and worse conducive to the tragic outcomes of instability of care and broken court errors to the systemic circumvention of the court-appointed special advocate process, discriminatory practices during placement, premature reunification with unprepared and ill-equipped caregivers, total disregard for transition planning and family-child team meetings, caregiver micromanagement and harassment, significant educational neglect due to failures in communication and planning, and failure to adopt practical automatic interventions and ability to widely provide appropriate services to identify and prevent the grooming of DFS children into sex work and other equally troubling outcomes. 
Given privacy rules, I cannot publicly share all these stories. Can you wrap but it up? I have made these statements lightly. I have not made these statements lightly. Please investigate independently. Very serious issues. Thank you. Anyone else wishing to make a comment? Seeing no one, we'll recess the meeting until tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. <laughs>